0: Everybody, what is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey Podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. Have you ever wrestled with people-pleasing? The desire to speak or act in such a way that you gain favor or are more likable? What if I told you that the antidote to people-pleasing is found in 1 Thessalonians 2? In today's chapter, 1 Thessalonians 2, Paul, Silas, and Timothy recount their first interactions with the Thessalonians. What was their heart posture when they first introduced the Thessalonians to the gospel? As we read the first few verses, it becomes clear that Paul, Silas, and Timothy—the guys, if you will—didn't consider people-pleasing an option. They knew they'd face opposition in response to the message they were bringing to Thessalonica, and that didn't stop or hinder them. But if I had to guess, if you're anything like me— People pleasing has definitely stopped, slowed, or hindered you from speaking truth with such boldness. If you're in grade school, maybe you're slow to stand up to a bully or speak up in class when evolution is taught. What if I start getting bullied? I don't want to become the butt of a joke. And if you're in college, maybe you've been hesitant to say no to a drink even though you're underage. Will they still like me? Will I still get invited to things if I say no? And as an adult, maybe it's the hesitancy to engage a coworker in a spiritual conversation. Will it be awkward moving forward if I do? Or maybe you're hesitant to speak up when you see an immoral business practice. Do you just look the other way? Turn a blind eye? Just believe it's not your problem? People-pleasing is paralyzing, and when it comes to the gospel going forth, it hinders progress. Now, don't get me wrong. God's going to work regardless of our willingness to participate, but when we choose the opinions of people over God, we miss out on all He has for us. But resisting people-pleasing is a challenge. So what was the guys' secret? Why were they able to walk so confidently? Sometimes we think, oh, well, it's just because they're the Bible guys. Like, they're famous, famous Christians. Remember, though, they're just like us, broken people in need of a Savior. Those guys, Paul, Timothy, and Silas, had access to everything we do today. So what was their secret? I'm going to read it from the NIV, verse 3. For the appeal we make, that's their message, it did not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. They weren't trying to please people. On the contrary, how were they able to speak in a way that wasn't concerned with the opinions of others? That's verse 4. We speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. They spoke as those approved by God. They had a firm grasp on their identity as believers. Think about it. When you're in Christ, you're given purpose, Matthew 28. You're loved, First John 3. Known and seen by the creator of the universe, Psalm 139. You're secure, Romans 8.1. You're royalty, First Peter 2.9. Incredibly valuable, 1 Corinthians 6.20. Your needs are met, you're provided for, Philippians 4.19 tells us, and you're approved by God, Romans 3.24. Who do you know that actually believes this and walks in it? lets it inform how they respond to people, lets it inform how they lead or relate to their family members. Sometimes Paul, Silas, and Timothy can seem made-up imaginary or like these guys up on a pedestal that lived in some unrealistic, unattainable spiritual reality, but that's just not the case. They're just like us. When I think of a leader, someone who disciples women operating from a place of God-given identity, I think of my friend Lane. Because back when I worked at camp in college, I watched her lead And as I watched her, I saw Jesus. And it's funny, I actually recently found this old blog of hers, an open letter she wrote to all the young women she leads, and it really clearly depicts what we see in Paul and Silas and Timothy from 1 Thess 2. Here's an excerpt. It's a little lengthy, but I think it's going to be worth our time. She says to those she leads, I wish I could shake the insecurity and the not enough right out of you. You were not made to critique your every part. You've been tricked into thinking you're a disappointment, a list of problems, a statistic, or nothing special. You're not a size or a GPA or a number of likes or pounds or dots or stars. You're my girl. Deep down in you, I see color and influence and wisdom and someday dreams and joy in a future you and I will be proud of if only you'd see the you I see, the you God made you to be. I'm no exception to insecurity. But God and I, we've got a good thing going. Every day, he tells me the truth about you and me. All his wild and colorful thoughts about the ones he handmade. To keep it plain and simple, kid-friendly, steady and sure, he says so until it settles deep inside me. Until I've memorized it backwards and forwards, then compels me to go and tell you. Tell him the truth. Tell her over and over again until it means something. Until it's deep-rooted. Until she can repeat it right back to you. Tell her this way and that way, handwritten and over coffee and in a surprise text. Tell her until it defines her, until she starts to believe me herself. Though the world is set on convincing you otherwise, she writes, I'll keep telling the truth, for God so loves you. Better yet, His love claims you, speaks enough over you, and overstates I love you. His love renames you, calls you chosen and worth it and beautiful in His. His love's like no other. It is so wide and so high and so deep and so long, you can't contain it. On your best days, you can't define or adequately describe it. His love is sufficient. It never shows up late or puts you second or runs out or abandons. It's the forever after kind. Best part, his love's yours for the taking. You are loved, significant, special and handmade, no matter what names the world stuck on you. His love sets you free, calls you closer to himself. It doesn't condemn you when you fall. He lavished His love all over you, that you'd be called His child. I dare you to live a life marked by His love, she continues. I dare you to hold tight to the good news of the world's screaming headlines that hold just the opposite. I dare you to claim His word as absolute truth, to wear holy confidence in the things He swears are true of you. You'll look different. You'll catch eyes in the good kind of attention." You'll see a bunch of little yous wondering what you have that they don't, and one might just ask you how to get it. Sound familiar? It's how you and I started out. If someone asks, I dare you to let bravery loose and tell them your whole story start to finish. Tell them the before, the after, and all the in-between. Don't sugarcoat or water down or keep things out. Brag on his love. How wide and high and deep and long it is. Dare them. It's theirs for the taking, too. I dare you to speak up, to speak loud, tell them steady and clear as day who and whose they are. Tell them the truth about you and me and them, all the good things God's told us. Crazy things happen when you sell out to defend and declare the truth to somebody not yet believing it. I dare you to keep telling them, and maybe you'll someday taste my story. It will settle deep inside you. You'll memorize it backwards and forwards, and before you know it, you'll start believing truth for yourself too. That's Lane's story. She grasped her identity as a child of God. And when we do that, all the people-pleasing falls to the wayside. We can boldly proclaim truth. When we've taken hold of our identity as those approved by God, we don't look to get something from others. That's verse 5. We don't seek praise or attempt to plow down others, verse 6. We care deeply about the heart condition of those around us, verse 7. We share truth boldly, that's 8. And we're considerate of others, verse 9. And we're encouragers. We remind each other of truth when we start to drift back to our old ways. We call each other to God's best. That's verse 12. Lane got it. Paul, Silas, and Timothy got it. They don't try to please people because they know who they are in Christ. Do you? Spend some time today reflecting on whether or not you allow your identity in Christ to influence how you interact with the people around you. I know I need to spend some time being reminded of who God says I am. I'd encourage you to search the scriptures with your community group. And as the Spirit reveals areas in our hearts where we've forgotten who God says we are, the good news will be that we don't have to walk through them alone. And that's why I'm so glad we're on this journey together. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.